3: recorded live Gil's quick wit
2: was the stuff of legend the right crack at the right time Gil had it he was funny no he was hilarious People shook their heads, amused and amazed. One day, Gil tossed off a put-down about a coworker's looks. Predictably, it got great laughs from people nearby. But Gil's words continued to fly through the office at the speed of sound. Soon, the object of the laughter came to Gil. You talk a lot about your faith, she said, but I hear who you are. This is Howard Butt, Jr. of Laity Lodge. Co-workers may never know what we believe, but there's no doubt about what we say and do in the high calling of our daily work.
0: For more information, visit OurDailyWork.org. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata. With today's technology, most people do not carry around address books. I remember right before I went electronic and put everything on my iPhone, I leave through the pages of my old address book. And I was amazed how many names I had whited out, crossed out, or erased. Names of people I could hardly remember. Some names were so obscure I could barely even read the print. My point here, well, God has an address book. And Revelation chapter 20 says there are no erasers in heaven. No name will be forgotten or crossed out. There it says, quote, everyone who conquers will be clothed in white. And I will not erase his name from the book of life. But I will announce before my father and his angels that he is mine. Friend, your name is recorded. And once you are listed under C for child of God, your information is safe in the cloud. <laughs> and that is heaven. The following is a presentation of God Questions Ministries.
2: Why should I not commit suicide? Our hearts go out to those who have thoughts of ending their own lives through suicide. If that is you right now, it may speak of many emotions, such as feelings of hopelessness and despair. You may feel like you are in the deepest pit, and you doubt there is any hope of things getting better. No one seems to care or understand where you are coming from. Life just is not worth living. Or is it? If you will take a few moments to consider letting God truly be God in your life right now, he will prove how big he really is, for nothing is impossible with God, Luke 1, verse 37. Perhaps scars from past hurts have resulted in an overwhelming sense of rejection or abandonment. That may lead to self-pity, anger, bitterness, vengeful thoughts, or unhealthy fears that have caused problems in some of your most important relationships. Why should you not commit suicide? Friend, no matter how bad things are in your life, there is a God of love who is waiting for you to let him guide you through your tunnel of despair and out into his marvelous light. He is your sure hope. His name is Jesus. This Jesus, the sinless Son of God, identifies with you in your time of rejection and humiliation. The prophet Isaiah wrote of him in Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 6, describing him as a man who was despised and rejected by everyone. His life was full of sorrow and suffering, but the sorrows he bore were not his own. They were ours. He was pierced, wounded, and crushed, all because of our sin. Because of His suffering, our lives can be redeemed and made whole. Friend, Jesus Christ endured all this, so that you might have all your sins forgiven. Whatever weight of guilt you carry, know that He will forgive you if you humbly receive Him as your Savior. Call upon Me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, Psalm 50, verse 15. Nothing you have ever done is too bad for Jesus to forgive. Some of his choicest servants committed gross sins, like murder, committed by Moses, murder and adultery by King David, and physical and emotional abuse by the Apostle Paul. Yet they found forgiveness and a new abundant life in the Lord. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. Why should you not commit suicide? Friend, God stands ready to repair what is broken. Namely, the life you have now, the life you want to end by suicide. In Isaiah 61, verses 1-3, through the prophet wrote, The Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, to comfort all who mourn, and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, in a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Come to Jesus and let him restore your joy and usefulness as you trust him to begin a new work in your life. He promises to restore the joy you have lost and give you a new spirit to sustain you. Your broken heart is precious to him. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O oh God, you will not despise. Psalm 51, verse 12, in verses 15 through 17. Will you accept the Lord as your Savior and Shepherd? He will guide your thoughts and steps, one day at a time, through His Word, the Bible. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Psalm 32, verse 8. He will be the sure foundation for your times, a rich store of salvation and wisdom and knowledge. The fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. Isaiah 33, verse 6. In Christ you will still have struggles, but you will now have hope. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18, verse 24. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you in your hour of decision. If you desire to trust Jesus as your Savior, speak these words in your heart to God. God, I need you in my life. Please forgive me for all that I have done. I place my faith in Jesus Christ and believe that he is my Savior. Please cleanse me, heal me, and restore my joy in life. Thank you for your love for me and for Jesus' death on my behalf. Have you made a decision to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because of what you have heard here? If so, please send us an email at questions at gotquestions.org.
0: God Questions Ministry seeks to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ by providing biblical answers to today's questions online at gotquestions.org.
3: You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
4: Happy day. happy day. Oh, a happy day. Oh, happy day. When, Jesus when Jesus was. Oh, when he wore When Jesus was. Happy
5: day.
4: Oh, happy, day. Oh, a happy day. Oh, happy day. when windy war. When Jesus oh, when he war. windy when Jesus the war. What in the waves the happy day. Oh, my hand
5: lead me on
1: This is Morning Inspirations with Minister Kenneth
6: Jenkins.
3: This
7: morning I would like to use as a subject from which to preach the drum major instinct. Uh, The drum major instinct. And our text for the morning is taken uh, from the 10th chapter as recorded by St. Mark. beginning with the 35th verse of that chapter, we read these words. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. And he said unto them, What? Would ye that I should do for you? They said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on thy right hand and the other on thy left hand in thy glory. But Jesus said unto them, Ye know not what ye ask. Can ye drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, Ye shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of, and with the baptism that I am baptized, withal shall ye be baptized. But to sit on my right hand, and on my left hand is not mine to give. But it shall be given to them... Uh, for whom it is prepared. And then Jesus goes on toward the end of that passage to say, But so shall it not be among you, but whosoever will be great among you shall be your servant, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. The setting is clear. James and John are making a specific request of the Master. They had dreamed as most of the Hebrews uh, dreamed, of a coming king of Israel who would set Jerusalem free and establish his kingdom on Mount Zion. And they were saying now, when you establish your kingdom, let one of us sit on the right hand and the other on the left hand of your throne. Now very quickly, we would automatically condemn James and John, and we would say they were selfish. Why would they make such a selfish request? But before we condemn them too quickly, let us look calmly and honestly at ourselves, and we will discover that we too have those same basic desires for recognition, for importance, that same desire for attention, that same desire to be first. Of course, the other disciples got mad with James and John, and you can understand why, but we must understand that we have some of the same James and John qualities, and that is deep down within all of us an instinct. It's a kind of drum major instinct, a desire to be out front, a desire to lead the parade, a desire to be first. And you know, we began early to ask life to put us first. Our first cry as a baby was a bid for attention. And all through childhood, the drum major impulse or instinct is a major obsession. Children ask life to grant them first place. They are a little bundle of ego. They have innately the drum major impulse or the drum major instinct. Now, in adult life, we still have it, and we really never get by it. We like to do something good, and, you know, we like to be praised for it. Now, if you don't believe that, You just go on living life and you will discover very soon that you like to be praised. Everybody likes it as a matter of fact. And somehow this warm glow we feel when we are praised or when our name is in print is something of the vitamin A to our ego. Nobody is unhappy when they are praised even if they know they don't deserve it, and even if they don't believe it. The only unhappy people about praise is when that praise is going too much towards somebody else. But everybody likes to be praised because of this real drum major instinct. The presence of this instinct explains why we are so often taken by advertisers. You know are those gentlemen of massive verbal persuasion. And they have a way of saying things to you that kind of gets you in the bind. In order to be a man of distinction, you must drink this whiskey. In order to make your neighbors envious, you must drive this type of car. In order to be lovely to love, you must wear this kind of uh, lipstick or this kind of perfume. And, you know, before you know it, you're just buying that stuff.
8: Uh,
7: That's the way the advertisers do it. I got a letter the other day, and uh, it was a new magazine coming out, and it opened up. Dear Dr. King, as you know, you are on many mailing lists, and uh, you are categorized as highly intelligent, progressive, a lover of the arts and the sciences, and I know you will want to read what I have to say. Of course I did. After you said all of that and explained me so exactly, of course I wanted to read it. But very seriously, it goes through life. The drum major instinct is real. There comes a time that the drum major instinct can become destructive. And that's where I want to move now. I want to move to the point of saying that if this instinct is not harnessed, it becomes a very dangerous, pernicious instinct. For instance, if it isn't harnessed, it causes one's personality to become distorted. I guess that's the most damaging aspect of it what it does to the personality. If it isn't harnessed, you will end up day in and day out trying to deal with your ego problem by boasting. And then it does other things to the personality. It causes you to lie about who you know sometimes. Make it plain. Make it plain. There are some people who are influence peddlers And in that attempt to deal with the drum major instinct, they have to try to identify with the so-called big-name people. And the other thing is that it causes one to engage ultimately in activities that are merely used to get attention. And then the final great tragedy of the distorted personality is the fact that when one fails to harness this instinct, he ends up trying to push others down in order to push himself up. And whenever you do that, you engage in some of the most vicious activities. You will spread evil, vicious, lying gossip on people because you're trying to pull them down in order to push yourself up. And the great issue of life is to harness the drum major instinct now the other problem is when you don't harness the drum major instinct, this uncontrolled aspect of it is that it leads to snobbish exclusivism It leads to snobbish exclusivism. Now, you know, this is the danger of social clubs and fraternities. The danger is that they can become forces of classism and exclusivism where somehow you get a degree of satisfaction because you are in something exclusive, and that's fulfilling something, you know. And, you know, that, that can happen with the church. I know churches get in that bind sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They can play you. I've been to churches, you know, and they, they say, you, uh, We have uh, so many doctors and so many school teachers and so many lawyers and uh, so many businessmen in our church. And, and that's fine because doctors need to go to church and lawyers and businessmen, teachers, they ought to be in church. Yeah. But they say that. The preacher sometimes will go all through the. They say that as if the other people don't count. The church is the one place where the doctor ought to forget that he's a doctor. The church is the one place where the PhD ought to forget that he's a PhD. The church is the one place that the schoolteacher ought to forget the degree she has behind her name. The church is the one place where the lawyer ought to forget that he's a lawyer. And any church that violates the whosoever will let him come doctrine is a dead cold church and nothing but a little social club with a thin veneer of religiosity. The one place where everybody should be the same, standing before a common master and savior. Yes. And a recognition grows out of this that all men are brothers because they are children
0: yes. of a common
7: father. Now the other thing is that it leads to tragic. We've seen it happen so often. Tragic race prejudice. Do you know? that a lot of the race problem grows out of the drum major instinct, a need that some people have to feel superior, a need that some people have to feel that they are first and to feel that their white skin ordained them to be first. It led to the most tragic prejudice, the most tragic expressions of man's inhumanity to man. I always try to do a little converting when I'm in jail. When we were in jail in Birmingham the other day, white wardens and all enjoyed coming around the cell to talk about the race problem. They were showing sure up where we were so wrong demonstrating, and And they were showing us where uh, segregation was so right. And uh, they were showing us where uh, intermarriage was so wrong. So I would get to preaching and we would get to talking calmly because they wanted to talk about it. And then we got down one day to the point, that was the second or third day, to talk about uh, where they lived and how much they were earning. And when those brothers told me what they were earning, I said, now, you know what? You ought to be marching with us. you you're just as poor as Negro. And I said, you are put in the position of supporting your oppressor because through prejudice and blindness, You fail to see that the same forces that oppress Negroes in American society oppress poor white people. And all you are living on is the satisfaction of your skin being white and the drum major instinct of thinking that you are somebody big because you're white and you're so poor you can't send your children to school. You ought to be out here marching with every one of us every time we have a march. Now, that's the fact. The poor white has been put into this position where, through blindness and prejudice, he is forced to support his oppressors. And the only thing he has gone for him is the false feeling that he's superior because his skin is white and can hardly eat and make his ends meet week in and week out. But let me rush on to my conclusion because I want you to see what Jesus was really saying. what was the answer that Jesus gave these men? It's very interesting. One would have thought that Jesus would have condemned them. One would have thought that Jesus would have said, you are out of your place. You are selfish. Why would you raise such a question? That what Jesus did. He did something altogether different, he said in substance, oh, I see. You want to be first? You want to be great? You want to be important? You want to be significant? Well, you ought to be. If you want to be my disciple, you must be. He reordered priorities. And he said, yes, don't give up this instinct. It's a good instinct if you use it right. It's a good instinct if you don't distort it and pervert it. Don't give it up. Keep feeling the need for being important. Keep feeling the need for being first. But I want you to be first in love. I want you to be first in moral excellence. I want you to be first in generosity. That is what I want you to do. And he transformed the situation by giving a new definition of greatness. And you know how he said it? He said, now, brethren, I can't give you greatness. And really, I can't make you first. This is what Jesus said to James and John. You must earn it. True greatness comes not by favoritism, but by fitness. And the right hand and the left are not mine to give. They belong to those who are prepared. And so Jesus gave us a new norm of greatness. If you want to be important, wonderful. If you want to be recognized, wonderful. If you want to be great, wonderful, but recognize that he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. That's a new definition of greatness. And this morning, the thing that I like about it, by giving that definition of greatness, it means that everybody can be great. Because everybody can serve. You don't have to have a college degree to serve. You don't have to make your subject and your verb agree to serve. You don't have to know about Plato and Aristotle to serve. You don't have to know Einstein's theory of relativity to serve. You don't have to know the second theory of thermodynamics in physics to serve. You only need a heart yes, full of grace. Yes, yes, I Soul generated by love. Yes, and you can be that servant. I know a man and I just want to talk about him a minute and maybe you will discover who I'm talking about as I go down the way. Because yes. he was a great he just went about serving. He was born in an obscure village, yes, yes. the child of a poor peasant woman. And then he grew up in still another obscure village where he worked as a carpenter until he was 30 years old. Yes. Then for three years, he just got on his feet, and he was an itinerant preacher. And he went about doing some things. He didn't have much. He never wrote a book. He never held an office. He never had a family. He never owned a house. He never went to college. He never visited a big city. He never went 200 miles from where he was born. He did none of the usual things that the world would associate with greatness. He had no credentials but himself. He was only 33 when the tide of public opinion Turned against him. They called him a rabble rouser. They called him a troublemaker. They said he was an agitator. He practiced civil disobedience. He broke injunctions. Nineteen centuries have come and gone. Today, he stands as the most influential figure. That ever entered human history, all the armies that ever marched, all the navies that ever sailed, all the parliaments that ever sat, and all the kings that ever reigned put together, have not affected the life of man on this earth as much as that one solitary life. He didn't have anything. Yes. He just went around serving yes. and doing good. This morning, you can be on his right hand and his left hand if you serve. Yes. It's the only way in. Every now and then, I guess we all think realistically yes. about that day when we would be victimized with what is life's final common denominator. That's something we call death. We all think about it, and every now and then I think about my own death, and I think about my own funeral, and I don't think of it in a morbid sense. And every now and then I ask myself, what is it that I would once say, and I leave the word to you this morning, if any of you around, when I have to meet my day, I don't want a long funeral. And if you get somebody to deliver the eulogy, tell them not to talk too long.
5: And
7: every now and then I wonder what I want them to say. Tell them not to mention that I have a Nobel Peace Prize. That isn't important. Tell them not to mention that I have three or four hundred other awards. That's not important. Tell them not to mention where I went to school. I'd like somebody to mention that day that Martin Luther King, Jr. tried to give his life serving others. I'd like for somebody to say that day that Martin Luther King, Jr. tried to love somebody. I want you to say that day that I tried to be right. On the walker. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try to feed the hungry. I want you to be able to say that day that I did try in my life to clothe those who were naked. I want you to say on that day that I did try in my life to visit those who were in prison. I want you to say that I tried to love and serve humanity. Yes, Yes, if you want to say that I was a drum major, say that I was a drum major for justice. Say that I was a drum major for peace. I was a drum major for righteousness. And all of the other shallow things will not matter. I won't have any money to leave behind. I won't have the time and luxurious things of life to leave behind. But I just want to leave a committed life behind. And that's all I want to say. If I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a war song, if I can show somebody he's traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. If I can do my duty as a Christian, if I can bring salvation To a world once wrought, if I can spread the message as the Master taught, then my living will not be in vain. Yes, Jesus, I want to be on your right or your left side, not for any selfish reason. I want to be on your right or your left side, not in terms of some political kingdom or ambition, but I just want to be there in love and in justice and in truth and in commitment to others so that we can make of this old world a new world. We open the doors of the church now. Someone here this morning needs to accept the Christ. Wherever you are this morning, will you come? We open the doors for you to come and accept him. As we sing the hymn together, raise some basic questions. Come. Except the master. He's gonna have a solo, How Great Thou Art. Is there anyone who will come wherever you are? The doors of the church stand open. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister
4: Kenneth Jenkins. <laughs>
3: Churchgoers looking
4: for the little morning inspiration? Well listen to morning inspirations and the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. <laughs>
5: kingdom Let me hear you. Where my Eden citizens at? Where my Eden citizens at?
9: Where you at? Let me see your hands like this. Come on, let me hear you, let me hear you.
1: What are the limitations while employing minors?
2: Stay right there. Today's legal alert might just keep you out of trouble with the law. Here's attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association.
1: A Christian school comprised of a K-12 academy and a four-year college allows the college students to work on campus to help cover the cost of tuition. The students never receive cash, but they are given an earnings statement at the end of the school year. The school's financial administrator contacted the Christian Law Association for advice concerning how to handle the financial records of 14 and 15-year-old students who work for the school. One of our attorneys explained that the minors should be treated exactly the same as the college students. Our attorney then advised the administrator to remember that minors are limited by federal employment law to less than 18 hours of work per week when school is in session.
2: That's Attorney David Gibbs, Jr. of the Christian Law Association. And you can continue today's dialogue by exploring the resources waiting for you at our website, christianlaw.org. You can sign up for our free monthly newsletter or connect with an attorney at christianlaw.org.
10: ChristianLaw.org.
6: This is Anne Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. If you're lonely, don't withdraw into an uninvolved, inactive life. It only intensifies the loneliness. God will share your loneliness while you walk with him and work for him. 2,000 years ago, a solitary figure stood out in history. The Bible says the sin of all mankind was placed on him as he walked to the place of sacrifice Carrying his own means of execution. He was betrayed by one of his best friends. Denied by another. Think about it. Not one person stood with him. Not the blind man to whom he'd given sight. Or the leper he'd cleansed. He was crucified on a Roman cross. Alone. Jesus understands loneliness. He endured it for you. So that regardless of your circumstances, you need never be alone. Jesus said in Matthew twenty eight twenty, Surely, I am with you always, to the very end of the age. This is Anne Graham
3: You're
4: listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
3: Churchgoers, looking for the little
4: morning inspiration? Well, listen to morning inspirations and the jam radio Network.
10: that put you on that cross. And I'm sorry. I don't want to live in rebellion to you anymore. I ask you to forgive me. And tonight I open my heart and I invite you into my life to be my Savior and my Lord. I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe.
7: I am saved.
10: I am saved. I am
7: saved. Hallelujah. Saved. say
9: say Saved. Oh, well, let me ask you, friends, in closing tonight, have you done this? Have you obeyed the gospel? Have you obeyed the gospel? Well, have you come to that obedience of faith? Have you come to that place of true repentance and true faith? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Have you turned around? Have you forsaken your sin? Are you trusting alone tonight in Jesus Christ for your salvation? For there is no other way, there is no other message.
8: For there is no other way, there is no other message.
9: Oh, come to Him. Come to the Saviour tonight. Come to Him just as you are. Come to Him in your sin. Come to Him in all your needs. Cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself upon His mercy and upon His infinite grace. Cast yourself wholly to Him. And you too will enter into that joy. eternal abundant life through jesus christ our lord for how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation for how will you escape if you neglect so great salvation
3: Tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Time,
4: it's Nation Talk, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Right here on Talk to You and Jam Radio.